Welcome to the Cutting the Gordian Knot podcast. This is episode... Oh no, what episode is it? I think it's episode five. Today we're talking about lying. Um, the title of the article is Lying. Can it ever be done? You can find it on thegordianknot.org. That's where I'll be reading from today. So let's jump right in. The year is 1941. There you are. The Nazis are at your door. Behind you is a family of Jews hiding in fear. The question comes... Are there any Jews in your house? What should you say? I will be shamelessly defending the view that one ought to lie until one's pants literally burst into flame. It seems that holding any other opinion requires either a seasoned pass to the ivory tower or an intellect so prodigious that it can believe something so ridiculous, looking at you, Thomists. Find any level-headed common man and ask that question, and you will receive a quick and correct answer, followed by a blank stare of manifest confusion. It feels like I'm trying to explain a joke to someone who didn't understand the punchline. It seems harder to tease out the rightness of my proposed response than it is to simply see it and recognize the appropriateness from the onset. Nevertheless, I will propose a few arguments and go on to answer some common objections. First section. The Misordering of Goods Out of the Aristotelian tradition, we have a picture of evil as a misordering of goods. This has been taken up into Christian um, tradition through people like Aquinas. Imagine you are sitting by a cliff, admiring the view. All of a sudden, a toddler starts heading for the edge as he chases a butterfly. There are two goods here. One is enjoying the beautiful view, and the other is preserving the life of a small and sticky human. If one chooses the serenity of the vista and subordinates the good of the child's life, this is an evil act. Does this view collapse into utilitarianism? In a word, no. In more than a word, this view looks, more, looks to more than just a sum of individuals' happiness. Instead, it encompasses the full suite of good things that God allows us to order in our lives, including himself. In this Nazi Jew example, I would say the Jews' safety is a higher-order good than whatever is on the other side of this equation. But seriously, what is the competing good? Can someone name for me the good thing outweighing preserving the safety of those Jews? Preservation of one's conscience? If so, how does letting Nazis murder a family of Jews preserve one's conscience? Is not lying the competing good? If so, how can the absence of something be the good thing being referenced? The absence of something is non-existence and can therefore no ground no goodness. If instead the reply is that telling the Nazis the truth is the good, then this seems extraordinarily strange, since it seems to make a person an accomplice to murder. I fail to see how that is a good either. But wait, maybe the contention is that lying is a mortal sin which, in this case, I find highly dubious, if not absurd. Therefore, one is ranking the good of their own soul above the bodily safety of the Jews. If this is the calculus, then have you not considered the souls of the Nazis? Your refusal to lie is guaranteeing that their souls will be harmed by the still greater sin of murder. I would argue that even if we grant that in this case lying is a sin, it seems eminently Christian to take on sin in order to protect other people's souls from being damned by sin. A mortal sin? Question mark. No way. Here's what the Catechism says constitutes a mortal sin. This is from paragraph 1857. 
For sin to be mortal, three conditions must be together met. Mortal sin is sin whose object is grave matter, and which also committed with full knowledge and deliberate consent. Grave matter is specified by the Ten Commandments, dot, 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 listing the Ten Commandments. In the next section, I will argue that lying in this case does not violate any of the Ten Commandments, and therefore the matter is not grave. However, that's not the only problem. Deliberate consent, consent is nowhere near met. The person who answers the door is being forced to lie or else the family of Jews die. If I told you to give me your wallet or else I will slaughter a family of Jews, what would you do? I assume you would hand it over and then call the police. But wait, you deliberately consented to handing over your wallet. Would this defense hold up? No, consent is not consent when there is a threat of death involved. Therefore, it does not satisfy the criteria for a mortal sin. So what about this, thou shall not bear fitness, uh, false witness against thy neighbor? Well, the commandment does not read, thou shall not bear fitness, false witness to thy neighbor. Again, it says against thy neighbor. When I lie to the Nazis, who exactly am I bearing false witness against? The answer is no one. In order to run afoul of this commandment, there must be somebody I am witnessing against, and there is not. I wish no harm with my lie. In fact, much, of, much to the contrary, I wish to save lives. When I tell a joke or I tell somebody their revolting-looking baby is actually adorable, I am not witnessing against my neighbor, and therefore I am not lying in breach of the Eighth Commandment. In the first case, my intent is to use speech to spark joy and laughter. In the second case, I am not intending to deceive. Rather, I intend to affirm the parent's love for their child, despite its uncanny resemblance to a sentient potato. The principle of double effect means that although deception is a side effect, it is not the primary goal of the action. Thou shall not kill does condemn the action of a person acting out. Oh, I'm sorry. Does thou shall not kill does not condemn the actions of a person acting out of self-defense. Why? Because it is fine to use force with the intention of protecting oneself, even if the force is great enough to kill the attacker. It is not the goal of the action. If there was another way to achieve the same effect, it would be preferable. That said, there are times when there are no other options. Likewise, with the Nazis at the door, there are no other options except to engage in deception. The goal is to defend the Jews, not to lie for the sake of lying or for one's own selfish gain. It seems odd that those who oppose lying to the Nazis do not oppose killing them. Is not the right to life greater than the right to truth? Here I'm not talking about eternal truths about God or salvation, but spatial temporal truths that, if known, destroy others and damn the Nazi souls to a yet deeper hole in hell. I would argue that just as one can lose the right to life and be justly killed, one could also lose the right to the truth. In fact, I would go on to say that the Nazis had no right to know the whereabouts of the Jews in the first place. Next section. You are answering the question either way. Quote, I did not pick up that end of the seesaw. I pushed this end down. This is what I hear when somebody tells me that they would avoid the Nazis' answer or give a non-answer. If you do anything other than give a clear and unequivocal answer like, no Jews are here, 
then you are in fact saying something. Your non-answer is actually saying yes. You just found an upside down or backwards way of doing so. Therefore, the choice is between actively giving Nazis the information that Jews are in your house or not. The or not option is called lying. Giving them the information is called being a traitor and an accomplice. And I would argue this is the mortal sin of the two. Next section. Sun Tzu says, All war is based on deception, says Sun Tzu. Read the numerous stories of Hebrew con- conquest through the Bible, and you will find countless cases where deception is used, or even commanded by God. If deception were always bad, then would a surprise attack on those same Nazis by the Allied forces be immoral? How about a feigned retreat, or my favorite example of all? If deception is always wrong, then camouflage is immoral. After all, you are taking purposeful actions to tell the enemy that your tank is a sand dune, or your torso is a tree trunk. Obviously, all of these are covered by the principle of double effect. In other words, we recognize that evil is from the misordering of goods. It is better that the enemy does not spot you than him have the morally and cosmically unimportant piece of trivia that you happen to be at place X at time Y. Of course, you could defend camouflage by saying the intent is to conceal information about one's whereabouts in order to protect somebody, not to deceive them, even if that is a result. Hmm, sounds a lot like what happens when a normal person chooses to lie to the Nazis as God intended. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. If you were a Jew, what would you want others to do for you? What if you were a Nazi looking back on your life after repenting? If I were one of the Jews, I would want you to have lied like a madman and kept me and my family safe. If I were a Nazi... I would appreciate that your deception kept me from committing mortal sin. How does telling the Nazis the truth, or else doing so by dancing around the subject, fulfill the golden rule? Questions and objections. Objection 1. Intrinsically evil acts are like roadblocks of moral decision-making. Lying is intrinsically evil. Therefore, it can be done in no circumstances. Answer. Let's say the Nazis have tied... 20 children to the train tracks on one track, and one man to the other track. You are standing at the switch, and they force you to make the train go one way or another. I would switch it to save the 20 lives and kill the one. But wait, didn't I just kill a person? Isn't that an intrinsically immoral act? Or a roadblock of moral decision-making? No, it's not. I didn't kill anyone. Rather, the Nazis did by tying them to a train track. I was forced to simply choose between two bad things. If I chose against one, it automatically defaults to the other. And and it's the same as if I made that selection in the first place. So too with our lying scenario, and giving the Nazis the knowledge that Jews are in my house. I am not responsible for lying to them any more than I would be responsible for killing one man on the track. It is simply an unfortunate consequence of my choosing against the greater tragedy. Our Nazi example is not a case where one act is intrinsically evil, granting granting this circumstance um, constitutes malevolent deception in the first place. One is betrayal, and the other is a lie. What do we do if both roads are blocked? The answer is, crash into the least destructive place. Objection. 
Natural law says the purpose of speech is to convey truth. Therefore, lying is contrary to the natural law. Answer. If this proves anything, it proves too much. This means that jokes are immoral. After all, the badger did not actually walk into the bar. What a strange conclusion. I would say that such that speech has many pur- purposes, such as amusement, expression, and defense of others. Objection. Scripture praises those in whom, quote, there is no deceit. Answer. Rahab the harlot, who lied and hid the Israelite spies, is in the hall of faith in Hebrews. Sure, being truthful is a good thing, but again, I do not dispute this. What I do dispute is whether or not there can be good reason to lie in order to secure a greater good. Objection. The church authoritatively, authoritatively teaches that we cannot do evil so that good will result. Answer. You would not be doing evil. The Nazis are. They have forced you to either lie or betray the Jews. Again, you are choosing against the greater evil, out of love for God's children. The church authoritatively teaches the golden rule as well, and clearly lying in this case is in accord with the greatest commandment that can govern the actions of man with respect to his neighbor. Objection. The way out is having a mental reservation where you say, I have no Jews in this house, and then think that you can come and kill. Therefore, you have, not, you have, you have hidden the Jews, but you have not lied. Answer. To be perfectly frank, God doesn't care about these word games. This magic word theory of ethics doesn't seem to have any bearing on the morality of the act. You still told the Nazi the same thing in both cases. You had the same inner emotions and intentions in both cases. Adding a small step whereby you think words to yourself, reflecting pre-existing thoughts, does not make this no longer a lie. By this logic, we can all start lying all the time so long as we have mental reservations. I seriously doubt that this could be defended. Conclusion. Don't make Christianity look ridiculous with your freakishly impractical and suspiciously scrupulous moralizing. Wear some camouflage, tell a joke, affirm that your wife does not look fat in that dress, and proudly inflame your pants with a blowtorch of lies if you ever find yourself caught between a vicious Nazi and a hiding Jew. Thanks for listening, everybody. As always, if you have friends and you like sharing, share this episode with your friends. And if you didn't like this episode, share this episode with your enemies. Um, Let's check the mailbag today. Um, Before I do, I realized in my episode zero intro episode, um, I talked all about how the organized structure of the episode would include this, that, and the other, and I don't think I've done any of it. Um, you'd be, you'd be absolutely amazed how difficult it is as soon as the microphone is turned on, not to just ramble like a fool or, or when you're reading something, babble like an idiot. I understand that a lot of these articles sound like a hooked on phonics commercial, um, and not the part after the kids get hooked on phonics, the part where you're like really sympathetic to them. Um, haven't heard those played since the nineties, but I'm sure that, um, that I've, uh, brought those memories back to back to the forefront of your mind with with some of these readings. Anyways, I'm terrible at audio editing. I have the um, technological prowess of a silverback gorilla. Um, but I appreciate you guys listening anyway. And maybe if, if one day this becomes anywhere near popular, um, or at least halfway not unpopular, then maybe somebody can edit these for me and do a much better job than I do. Um, Okay, well, moving on to the mailbag. 
First question, what do you look like? I like to have an idea of who exactly is talking when I'm listening to a podcast. Okay, it looks like there's a, a few little questions um, embedded in this one. Um, well, a lot of people don't know this, but I'm actually a midget. Um, certainly on the larger edge, um, about six feet, and uh, broadly regular proportions. Uh, let's see, uh, hair color, um, I'd say it's a uniform color, uh, broadly uniform. I have one or two grays, um, you know, I'm almost 30, so, so that does happen. Let's see, um, skin tone, that's not toned all the time. I should probably hydrate better. Um, I have a few wrinkles kind of up near my eyes and stuff. I'm not really a big moisturizer, so I wouldn't say I have the, the best skin tone. Uh, eye color? Eye color, eye color. Um, I, guess, I guess I did that when I was young, but you're not going to recognize me by, you know, coloring. I, I don't do a ton of, of coloring. That's pretty much something I kind of left in the past. That said, I do know a lot of adults who color. That's kind of a fad now, and, um, you know, I don't look down on that at all. I think people can make beautiful artwork. It's probably better than uh, scrolling through Facebook, so I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Um, what else? Do I wear hats? No, I don't wear hats. I I think it's great to get all the vitamin D you can get, and a lot of people don't know. You get most of it through your eyes, so you don't want to shade that. Um, if, if it's too bright, just squint, wear sunglasses, do what you need to do, but no, hats just, just never liked them. Um, poof, well... Well, now, I guess you guys will all be able to pick me out of a crowd. Um, really feel like I opened up in this episode. Let's see, what's the next question? Uh, Coke or Pepsi? Um, the answer is beer. Um, the answer is beer. So, yeah, you don't need that stuff. Okay. Um, I, ooh, this one's love advice. I want to ask somebody out. Okay. Um, I'm a guy, and I'm interested in a girl. First, I got to give you points for that right now in our culture. Good job, good job. But I'm nervous. What should I do? I actually do have advice for this. Um, you guys heard of those singing telegram people? They come to your house and they like give a message um, in singing. I would definitely do that. Now it costs money, I'm sure. Um, you know, there's a chance that they arrive and they're not home. Uh, it's worth it. Here's the thing. If you ask somebody to tell your crush that you like them, your crush is going to think that, that you're, you're just a coward. However, if you send them a singing telegram, well then, maybe you are still shy, but that's a pretty bold move. Also, they're going to be excited. Somebody's at their door. They're going to be singing to them. This is a professional delivering the message. They're probably going to do a lot better than your stammering, kind, kind of trying to work through all your feelings when, when you're in that spot. They're going to do better, okay? So leave it to the pros here. Um, give that a try. The worst case scenario, um, I still think everybody wins. I mean, everybody gets a great story. Um, they're not going to be mad at you. They're not even going to be embarrassed. Uh, they're going to be thrilled. They're going to be thrilled that you sent that singing telegram. Um, so give that a try. Um, next question. We'll make this one the last. Um, hello, I have an office plant. Um, I water it. I give it sun. But it is dying. What do I do? You know, I don't think it's that hard to keep plants alive. I just think you need a little bit more incentive. I think you need a bit of skin in the game or something. So I think you need to up the ante. Throw away the plant and get an animal. 
um, maybe a rabbit, um, a rat, um, something, a mammal um, that you care about a little bit more. And I think you're just going to figure it out. I bet you if you have a real life in your hands and not just some plant, you're going to make it through. Because honestly, you probably could have Googled or asked somebody better than me. So I already think you're just not putting in the effort. So that's my advice there. Uh, throw it away. Get an animal. Okay, well, I'll see you guys in the next episode.